Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, This is the account of Noah. Ever, ever, anybody learn about Noah in Sunday school? Noah in the ark and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Who do you think got the worst end of that deal? It's like, I'm, I'm going with Ham, uh, a.k.a. Pork. Now, now the earth was corrupt and God's sight was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms to it, and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. I'm going to let you know something about your life. Each of us need to build something with our life. Or maybe I could say it this way. God has put something in each of us to build. It's called our purpose. It's the reason that we're here. This is the great thing about God. God will never ask you to build something without telling you how to build it. He tells Noah, build an ark, build a boat. He says, now this is how you should build it. The ark is to be 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high. Make a roof for it. I don't know, God's like really specific with his boat. Make a roof for it, leaving below the roof an opening one cubit high all around. Put a door on the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish, but I will establish my covenant with you. God's a covenant God. And you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male, female, to keep them alive with you, two of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. If you really think about that, that's crazy, isn't it? Like Noah's like literally every animal. And I, I'm kind of thinking like he should have left some out. You know, like snakes. It's like some things that Noah should have just like shut the door on. But apparently he included them. Mosquitoes? They probably just, I don't know how they go. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and stored away as food for you and for them. Noah did, I want you to hear this. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I'm going to tell you that if you're really going to be used by God in any way, shape, or fashion, you are going to have to do what God commanded you to do. In fact, it is imperative that you hear the voice of God so you know what to do and when to do it. God is a very specific God. He knows what he's doing and he knows when he's, when he's doing it. It'd be nice if we knew when he was doing it and we knew what he was doing, right? It doesn't seem like sometimes God's on a different calendar than we are. But God always knows what he's doing and when he's doing it. This story tells us a flood was coming and God warned Noah of it. And he told him, he told him to make a boat. He said, I want you to build a boat. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but it had never rained. In Genesis chapter 6, so far, it had never rained. There was a dew that covered the face of the earth that watered the plants and the animals and, and all of that. But it never rained. So when God told Noah to build an ark, a boat, there was really no need for a boat. In fact, they, Noah had to build that boat on dry land. I want you to know something. When God really asks you to do something crazy, it could be crazy or it could be faith. And I want to talk for a couple minutes today and I got an exciting announcement for you. We're going to end the service with an exciting announcement. I've been telling you for like a month and a half that I have an exciting announcement. And I've been like, I'm really bad at keeping secrets. So I'm like trying not to say it, but I got it. I'm going to say it today. And I'm going to let you know. I've been waiting to tell you. And it's finally time. 
But I, I want you to know this, that today I want to talk about, as we complete this series, wide awake faith, or faith that is wide awake. Faith that's active, faith that is alive. I think too many people have sleepy faith. That we have fallen asleep in our faith, not in our faith that Jesus saves us, but in our faith to believe that God still moves. Our faith to believe that in this room today, in the next 30 minutes, God could do something supernatural. The faith to believe that right now God could heal your body. The faith to believe that God could give you a divine turnaround in a relationship. The faith to believe that God could use you to change your world. The faith to believe that these children that we just dedicated to the Lord could be world changers and history makers. Faith to really believe something big. Whatever happened to risky faith? What happened to crazy people that just took God at his word and believed him? The Bible says Abraham believed God. He believed him. I I don't know about you. I'm just crazy enough to believe God. I'm just crazy enough to believe what he says. Half of what we've ever experienced God doing is as a result of crazy or radical faith. How many got faith in the room? You got some faith in your life. You got some faith. About three of you. That's good. We're going to work on the rest of you. You got some faith in your life. You got to have faith. If you want to be used greatly by God, you're going to have to have some element of faith. Now, here's the problem is that a lot of times in life, life puts our faith to sleep. I've seen it happen over and over again is that life puts our faith to sleep. Let me give you a couple things that I think make our faith sleepy. One is worried faith. Worry. It's just worry. You know the Bible says don't worry about tomorrow? Because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Uh, how many, just think about this for a second. When you think about worry, how, let's just do percentages. What percentage of the things that you worried about happened? That's convicting, isn't it? I just got convicted right when I said it. Like, oh, man. Because when we worry, it's this. I'm putting more faith in the circumstance than I am in God. Worry is another type of faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. It's more faith that the bad thing will happen than the good God will prevail. Worry, worried faith. Another one is wearied faith. This is faith that's just weary. It's worn out. Maybe you've been believing for something for a really long time, and you're just weary. That's for some of us, our faith is asleep just because of that. It's just wearied faith. It's just weary. It's tired. Another one is misappropriated faith. This is faith in the wrong thing. I know a lot of people that just, they have faith in them. That's their faith. Their ability, their smarts, their business acumen, their ability to make things work. It's in them. I'm going to tell you that faith in you eventually will run out. And at the end of you, you better have something there or else it's not going to be pretty. The Bible says not by might nor by power, but by my by my spirit. That was your opportunity to participate. You almost got it. About half of you passed. Not by my nor by power, but by my, by my spirit. By my spirit. It's him. Some people say, well, I did pretty good on my own. Think what you could do with him. I'm not saying you're an idiot. I'm just saying that if you put God on top of what you already have, you could really do some damage to the kingdom of darkness. Well, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right with the gifts I have. Think what you could do with God's super on your natural. Think how God could use your life. I don't know if you know this or not, but God has a great plan for you. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. God has an assignment that's on your life. He has a project for you to build. That's what it is. It's a building project. And really the quest of life is to figure out what is the thing 
that I'm supposed to build. You think Noah was probably maybe just a little bit disappointed when he realized the thing he was supposed to build was a, was a boat? No, I want you to build a boat. A boat? What's a boat? I want you to build an ark. What's an ark? Just build it. You know, that's like, that's how God works sometimes. Like, could you explain what it is? It's like, no, just, just, just build it. Faith sometimes is risky. Faith sometimes is crazy. Faith sometimes looks ridiculous. Faith is not always practical. Faith is never comfortable. But I'm going to tell you this. If we're going to make a difference in our world, we need a faith that is wide awake. We need a faith that's wide awake. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is. Let me help you what faith is. Faith is right now. You don't need faith for yesterday. It already happened. You need faith for right now. Now. Faith is. What is faith? Confidence in what we hope for. Everybody has hopes. You know what faith is? Faith is confidence that what I'm hoping for is going to happen. What are you hoping for? What are you dreaming about? Faith is confidence that what I'm hoping for is going to happen. And assurance about what we do not see. This is just like, I don't like this about faith at all. I like things that I can see. Faith is believing in something that you cannot see. That's difficult, isn't it? People say, man, you know, I, 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 really got, I really got faith in. No, faith is something you can't see. Faith is something that's not happening that you're believing is going to happen. Faith, according to West Webster's dictionary, dictionary, is this. Complete trust or confidence in someone or something. I'm going to tell you this. Our faith is in someone. It is complete trust and complete confidence in someone. It is the word of God. If it says it in the word, I can have faith to have it in my life. If I can read it, I can apply it. If I can read it, I can have it. If it's in his word, if it's in his word, it's for us. That's the truth. Faith, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. God tells Noah to build a boat. Let me just say, this is our first step. It's going to sound funny, but I'm going to explain it to you. Our first step today is we have to build a boat. If you're going to have wide awake faith, you're going to have to learn how to build a boat. What is a boat? A boat is the purpose or the assignment that God's put in your life. Your boat is not to work a nine to five, make it through three years, 30 years, retire early, have a vacation home, and just like fade off into the sunset. None of those things are bad, and I hope you have all of those things, but I just want to make sure you're building what God put in your heart to build. Your, your job is a part of what you're building. That the only way that you're ever going to be fulfilled in your life is to do what God's called you to do. If you're not fulfilled, if you're not receiving fulfillment, it's not about how much money you make. I've seen a lot of miserable millionaires, and I've seen a lot of happy beggars. It's not about the money that you make. It's about fulfillment. And that fulfillment comes by obedience to what you're building. you got to make sure that you're building the thing that God put in you to build. True fulfillment will only come from building the thing that God has put in your heart to build. Isn't that really the quest? Like, what am I doing with my life? Why am I here? Why am I breathing this oxygen? Why am I alive? It's not just to survive. It is not just to hit all of the Americanized milestones for success. It is obedience. 
It is, God, what do you have in my heart? And now I've got to build it. And God tells Noah, I want you to build a boat. And he's just out there building. You know what's crazy thing about building a boat is that he didn't have the resources to build a boat. But whenever you operate in obedience to what God's asked you to do, he will always make sure you have the resources to do it. God is never going to ask you to do something that you're not equipped, empowered, or resourced to do. God's never going to ask you to go be something that you don't have the ability to be. God's never going to ask you to go minister somewhere that you don't have the ability to minister. God's not going to ever ask you to build a boat that you can't afford to build. God, well, he will ask you to build things that you can't afford to build, but he will make sure that the resources come to you. Build a boat. Years ago, Pastor Keon and I were talking, but he wasn't Pastor Keon at the time. He's just Keon. And uh, he's still a cool guy, but he wasn't Pastor Keon. Some of y'all only know him as Pastor Keon, but he was just, he was just Keon. He's a good friend of mine and, and uh, really successful in corporate America. Uh, had a beautiful home, a massive home. I used to drive by and be like, man, someday I'm going to have one of that. Then he had a Corvette that I felt like he should give to me, but he didn't do that. He didn't hear the Lord on that one. And so, but he let me ride in it every once in a while. So, you know, I felt good about that. And, uh, and so we were talking and he said, man, I don't know what to do. Dustin, I feel like God is like challenging me in what I do, in my vocation. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? He said, I think I'm being called to ministry, like full-time ministry. I'm like, like, like leave your job ministry? He's like, I think so. Like sell your Corvette ministry? I think maybe. So your house ministry? I don't know. I just, and he, for months we talked about it. I kind of tried to talk him out of it. I'm like, bro, you can do ministry in the job you have with the Corvette you have, all right? Like, it's good. Like, we can still be buddies. And, and uh, you're, like, you or your obedience is going to be a loss to me as well. Um, <laughs> selfishness in there. And he just, he couldn't shake it for eight months. We were just talking. He's like, I can't shake it. I can't shake it. And before, I want you to hear this. Before we ever had a position or hired him at the church, him and his family begin to downsize. They begin to make sacrifices. They begin to prepare to build. Sold his Corvette. We all cried together. <laughs> and made sacrifices because he felt as him and his family are praying and believing God that they were supposed to build something different. It's not about vocational ministry or corporate America. It's about obedience. It's about obedience. He said, I got to build the boat that God told me to build. I'm going to be more fulfilled doing that than I was this. And it is the truth. When you find out the thing that you're on this planet for, that is the place that you're going to be the most fulfilled in. You can do other things. You can make other money. But where you are called is where you will be fulfilled. Build a boat. Second thing that God tells Noah is he says, make sure that you build it according to pattern. I want to make sure you build the boat the right way. He said, like, make sure there's a door opens on the outside. Make sure there's, like, a deck, upper deck. Lower deck, middle deck. It's like, wow, okay, God, getting a little elaborate on the ark. But he's giving him specifics. I'm going to let you know when God's building something through you, he will give you specifics. God never gives you the entire blueprint. Here you go. He leads you step by step. You ever found this to be true? God never says, like, this is what you're going to do when you're 20. And this is what you're going to do when you're 32. And at 35, you're going to go through a little difficult time. But 36 is going to be the best year of your life. And, right, wouldn't that be nice just to know? Like, oh, yeah, like, oh, yeah, when I'm 50, I'm going to win the, you know, the, if, the lottery if you do that. Um, or I'm, 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 I'm going to this, or I'm going to that, I'm going to get that promotion, I'm going to be successful. It'd be so nice to know, especially when you're going through difficulty. If you already knew that on the other side of the difficulty, it was going to be the best season of your life, you could endure it way easier. 
But for many of us, we don't know because all we have is steps. The Bible says this, commit your way to him and he will direct your steps. You guys are getting the hang of it. It's good. He will direct your steps, step by step. And oftentimes he doesn't give you the next step until you take this step. And the truth is I want that step, but he's not going to tell me that step until I took this step. Obedience unlocks the next step. When I say yes to him, Lord, I'll build what you want me to build. Now he says, now this is how you build it. So you take that step and that step and you end up in the perfect will of God fulfilled in your heart and making a difference in the lives of people around you. This is super important. You have to build what God said, not what you've seen. For many of us, if God tells us something, we, we attribute that thing to what we've already seen. So when God told me I'm going to be a pastor, I compared that to other pastors I knew. And I said, I don't want to be a pastor. When God said you're going to go into ministry, I was like, I don't want to go into ministry because I attribute it to other people that I saw in ministry. I want you to build a church. I don't want to build a church because, but I have to listen to what God said not what I've already seen. How many think God's big enough that he can do something that we've never seen before? How many think God's creative enough that he can do it however and whenever he wants? So the onus is on us to obey and God will do something that we've never seen before. Just because you saw it done a wrong way doesn't mean it's going to happen a wrong way in your life. God's going to watch over and, and honor the obedience of your heart. The third thing that he tells Noah, as he's building this ark, and what we can pull from it, is that you're going to have to build it bigger than you need. I think for most of us, when we figure out our purpose, it's like, okay, so that me and my wife can get by, and our kids can go to a decent school, we can kind of like make it. No, not just make it. Do the thing that God put in your heart to do. Build it bigger than you think. Now, why did Noah need a bigger boat than just for him? Because he needed the animals, all of them, apparently. He needed his family. I'm going to tell you this. The thing that God's asking you to build is never just for you. Whatever the purpose that God put in your heart is not just for you. It is for you, but it's also for the people around you. All of these families dedicating their children. You know what happened? Their boat just grew. That God says, it's not enough just for this and for you. And now we, we got to have a bigger call. we got to have a bigger legacy. we got to have bigger vision because the boat has to encompass more people. But I would like to propose this to you, that God's plan for you is not even just for you and just your family. God's purpose for you is so much bigger than that. It's for all the people you interact with. It's for people that will look to your testimony and know that God has changed your life. It's for people that will watch your life and see the goodness of God following you and going before you. It'll, it'll be people that see how God's working in your life. It's bigger than what you think. What God is building through you is never just for you. That's what the world tells us. Americanized Christianity tells us everything you're doing is yours. It's my money. This is what I work for. This is my home. This is my family. No, God, you know what we did with dedications? God, we surrender this to you. Thank you for giving us this gift, and now we give it back to you. Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, we read the scripture. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. He did everything just as God commanded him. Let me say it this way. Faith builds according to the command, and fear builds according to the circumstances. Faith builds according to what I heard God say. What is God saying to you? 
What has he said? Some people say, man, I think God's silent. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. God's silent. I'm in a silent season. You're not in a silent season. You're either in a not listening season or a disobedient season. That's what a silent season is. Because God's speaking. God's speaking right now. He's speaking straight to you. He's speaking straight to your situation and straight to your life. And it is important for us to know what God says so we know what to build and when to build it. But if you're not careful, you'll build according to the circumstances. And not what God said. Did you know that if I would have waited for the right circumstances, we would have never built this building that you're sitting in? Because when God said to build the building, it was not the right circumstance. In fact, it was quite contrary to the right circumstance. We had just given almost our entire building fund away to a church in Africa to build that church. And God told us to build this church. We're like, so how's this going to happen? Noah probably thought the same thing. How am I supposed to build a boat? Why am I a boat builder? He never built a boat. There wasn't boats. God says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to teach you. Listen, you, some of you are stressing so much about what God's calling you to do. You don't need to stress about it. He's going to show you. He's going to lead you step by step into the good thing that God has for you. He's going to show his kindness to you, his goodness to you, his favor to you. And it comes as a result of obedience. I wish I could say it was easier. You could just do this and this and worship this many times and come to church this many times and you get it. It's not. It is a life of obedience. It is a life of surrender. It's a life of yes, God. It's a life of steps. A life of steps. Years ago, I was at the Los Angeles Dream Center. And uh, if you don't know what a Dream Center is, it is like a resource center for ministry. And it's also on our vision board this year that we're beginning the planning process for our own Dream Center that we're going to make and put in Dallas as a hub of ministry. It's like a 24-7 spiritual hospital that anybody that has a need can come to. And so all of our campuses will be able to go and minister to. Teens will be coming from all over the world to come and to serve and minister. We're going to change the statistics of downtown Dallas, Oak Cliff. We're going to see a just a divine turnaround and so God began to speak this to us but the first time he spoke it to me I was in Los Angeles and that's where one of the main dream centers are and I was there and we went up on the roof and they're telling us the story and 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 it's incredible and I look out and you can see the entire skyline of LA it's incredible beautiful and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and I, I heard him say you're gonna build one of these someday and I was like I was super young teenager and I'm like man That's weird, and I just kind of forgot about it. Years later, I'm leading a church. We're in a planning meeting about a year and a half ago, and we start hearing the Lord say, it's time to build the Dream Center. It's time, many of you, we've talked about this, time to build the Dream Center. It's time to build the Dream Center. And so we, in an act of faith and obedience, said we're going to start looking for buildings. So we started looking for buildings, and a lot of buildings didn't work out. A lot of buildings weren't right. And then all of a sudden, we found this building that I just like, I felt like this this could be something. And we had some people that kind of just gave some confirmation. And so we went, and we went downtown Dallas and Oak Cliff, and, and, uh, and, and we looked at this building. It's a 45,000-square-foot old church, all kinds of parking, right in one of the worst zip codes areas of Dallas. And I'm like, oh, I think, I think this could be it. We went inside. First of all, we were never supposed to get a tour. We were never supposed to even get inside. And through a series of events, they were about to sell. They're in the final stages of selling. And uh, by the grace of God, we got, in, we got an opportunity to look at it, but we couldn't make an offer because it was already spoken for. And uh, so we went in. We went up on the roof. And believe it or not, from the roof, you can see the ins- entire city of Dallas. 
And when I saw that, I remembered what God had spoke to me years and years ago in L.A. And through a series of events, we began to talk, and we talked to the real estate agent who we're not supposed to be talking to. We worked it out, and he said he wouldn't talk to us. And, and so this, I mean, someday we'll tell the whole story. But a janitor actually gave me the number of the pastor that he wasn't supposed to give it to me. And, uh, and so I called him like, listen, we got to see the building. And so we looked at it. We made an offer. Church 1132 made an offer on that building in Dallas, and they've accepted it. And it is now going to be the new hub of ministry, the new Dallas Dream Center from our church. So we're in the process right now of a journey of faith, right? I didn't, we were going three different directions towards different buildings, different things. And all of a sudden, God puts this right in our lap and says, this is the time. This is the step. And we're looking at each other like, now? It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like it fits. Financially, it doesn't fit. Timing-wise, biz, the schedule, all of this. But God said, now. I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to have wide-awake faith, you have to have faith that is willing to do crazy things. Even when it doesn't feel practical, I'm not talking about being foolish. I'm talking about listening to the voice of God. I'm talking about walking by faith. Your Christian life is boring because you have sleepy faith. Your Christian life becomes really exciting when your faith wakes up and you say, all right, God, what are we going to do today? And he says, go buy a building in Dallas. We're going to change the statistics that have been plaguing that area. All right, God, I'm in. I'm crazy enough to take you at your word. I'm crazy enough to believe that you can change the city. I'm crazy enough to, to believe that we can link arms with other ministries and other churches that have been laboring there for years and we can be a part of the change our vision is that we would have campuses all over dfw and have hubs of ministry in some of the worst areas of the city that we can see them turned around not just to feed the hungry i'm talking about so we can build people People that are lost, getting saved. People that are bound, getting delivered. People having divine turnarounds. So we have been praying. We've been seeking God. And we put together, and a man he saw up here, we put together a video for you to see so you could see the building that we are going to, by faith, purchase. I want to tell you something that the bank told us. The bank told us, uh, which we have a great relationship with our bank. They're incredible, and uh, they helped us build this building, and we wanted to finance it to hold the place, and then we're going to pay cash for it. And uh, that's our goal, and just so you know, by faith, we're believing that we're going to buy this building cash. And, um, and so we're believing God, and uh, so we're talking to our bank, and our bank finds out where the building is, does all their due diligence, and they're like, we can't, we can't finance that building in that area. And Dustin from like... Uh, Five years ago, would have cried like I did when the loan fell through on this building. But I got super excited. Because when you walk with God long enough, the things that used to scare everything out of you now excite you. I said, oh, sounds like the place we should be. If the bank says, I don't want to mess with it, that sounds, I just heard of all kinds of churches that are moving out of the area to relocating to other safer, more affluent areas. And I thought, well, isn't that great? Because God's calling us into it. That's our call is to step into it. We're still going to be here. Don't worry. We're not closing down Allen, but we're going to have a hub of ministry. Because God didn't call us just to reach one type of people or one city of people. God called us to reach people. Rich, poor, old, young people. Anybody that needs him, we're going to provide an opportunity for them to meet him. 
In fact, God spoke to us years ago that uh, a scripture out of 1 Corinthians, and Paul says this in chapter 16. He says, a door for effective ministry has opened to me. I want you to know this. We're going to go wherever God opens a door. We're not going to say we'll be here and here and here. We're going to say, God, whatever you say, the answer is yes. And this is my prayer for our church, that we would not just as a church say yes to faith, but we would become wide awake individually to what God wants to do. God wants you to build a boat. There is a plan. There is a purpose. There is an assignment that's on your life. It's not enough just to think about it. It's not enough just to know about it. God wants you to build it. Why does he want me to build it? The reason that he wants you to build it is, yes, to advance his kingdom, but also you will only be fulfilled in that place of obedience, doing the thing that God has called you to do. I want you to see this video and check out uh, the future home of your Dream Center. What's going on, everybody? Pastor Dustin and Jamie Bates, lead pastors at Church 1132, and we're here right now on the future home of our Dallas Dream Center. We are so excited about the future Dream Center that's going to be here. The purpose of a Dream Center is to go into a local community and connect that community that oftentimes has broken or hurting people in it with free resources, with education, and the purpose is to fight back against homelessness, hunger, poverty, human trafficking, addiction, through supplying a community with love and resources. And in this case, that community is Dallas. We've always had a heart for Dallas and uh, the surrounding areas and these neighborhoods. And uh, we're looking forward to working in cooperation with some of the incredible ministries that are already here doing a great job. And uh, we're looking to, to hold hands, to partner with, to link arms with other churches, other nonprofits to make a difference right here in Dallas. This location of this uh, future Dream Center is in one of the poorest areas of Dallas, one of the poorest zip codes of Dallas, 75216, uh, is actually uh, the household medium income is $25,000 a year. The poverty is just out of control. One out of every five children in Dallas, in the city of Dallas, actually live uh, in poverty. This is one of the leading areas for violent crime, uh, actually in the greater Dallas area. Uh, and really some of the statistics for violence are some of the highest in our nation. Not only violent crimes, but also prostitution, human trafficking. Uh, Texas actually ranks, Dallas, Texas actually ranks number two uh, in the country for highest rates of human trafficking. And so uh, we are coming into this area and uh, our heart, our goal is to reverse some of those statistics. Years ago on my first trip to the Los Angeles Dream Center, which has been an inspiration to us, to our interns, and to our church for years, uh, they take you through a tour uh, of the building, talking about the vision of how it came to be and how they begin to reach uh, the areas of Los Angeles uh, that were in the worst areas of crime and poverty. And uh, so we went on a journey and they told us the story and the vision, the mission. And uh, at, the, at the final part of the tour, they take you up to the top of the building. And uh, on the top of the building, they have you pray and, uh, over the trip and you turn around and look. And, and we turn around and look and, and there was the entire Los Angeles skyline. I remember that feeling uh, in Los Angeles as we stood on the roof of the Dream Center and we looked across and saw the entire skyline of LA. And uh, I knew right then that I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me that someday we would have a Dream Center like that in Dallas. 
Fast forward years now as we're, as we're searching for a building in the right place uh, to expand into Dallas and, and to begin to build uh, the Dream Center. And we came and looked at this very building and uh, we were praying about, is this the one? Is this right? And so uh, we came up on the roof and it was a surreal feeling to turn and look and to see the Dallas skyline from this building. The same view we had in LA, now the same view in Dallas. And uh, we knew at that minute that this was the place that we had to build the Dream Center. Since Dustin and I went to the LA Dream Center so many years ago, it has always been deep in our hearts that someday we would help plant a Dream Center right here in the city we love of Dallas. People go to California and LA for vacations all the time, but I always say my favorite place in LA is Skid Row because the Dream Center and on Skid Row, that is where I really got a heart and I really saw that a difference can be made. And so here we are, fast forward so many years later, and one year ago, we were in a planning meeting, sitting around as a staff, just dreaming, just dreaming, what it, God, what's next? And we all really felt like a Dream Center was coming, that it was going to be time. And I said, I will, I am in, I'll do whatever, I'll move there, I'll, you know, whatever it takes, like let's do this Dream Center. Because it's so fun to see the dreams that God puts in your heart start to come into fruition. So my prayer as this future Dream Center comes to be is that we can, like we went to the LA Dream Center, that we host teams. And as those teams are here, they have my experience on Skid Row right here on South Ewing Street. That they start to see and burn with passion and know that a difference really can be made. So we're so excited. Will you help us build this Dream Center? This is a God-sized dream. And uh, we're going to need all the help we can get to make it come to pass. Uh, but we, we believe it's possible. Uh, we always say this as a church, what looks like a risk to us looks like obedience to God. And we really believe this, that this Dream Center is just a step of obedience. And in God's mind, this isn't difficult. And so we're going to raise $1.5 million. We're going to attempt to buy this debt-free, begin the renovation process, and get it up and running to start making a difference in this community and the surrounding areas. But as Jamie said, we need your help. And uh, we want to ask you to prayerfully consider giving towards this dream. Help us build the dream. Let's change the city. We can do this together. Come on, you can thank God for what He's doing. Isn't that incredible? How many think that that sounds just about like God to have a hub of ministry in some, some of the most needy areas of, of our area? I think it's easy to bypass it sometimes and maybe pretend like it's not there. It's like 30 minutes from our house. Some people really in need, and we're going to make a difference. And some of you have already talked about ways that your heart has just been pulled to this before this ever even came to pass. And uh, th this is going to be an opportunity for you to build. We're talking about building, what you need to build. This is going to be an opportunity for you to build. And so this is what we're going to do as we close. We're going to do two things. One is you heard it on the video. We're actually going to raise over the next eight months or so, we're going to raise $1.5 million. And uh, it, it, it is in disrepair, this building. If we're going to build that building here, it costs us between $7 million, $10 million. And uh, because of the area it's in and because of the disrepair that it's in, we were able to get just an incredible deal. And, and we're going to raise, we're going to buy it debt free. And um, how, how many have faith for that? And we can do that. We can do that. 
Then we're going to begin the renovation process, and it's going to be a process. It's going to be slow, and uh, we're just going to take steps and uh, begin to open up different avenues of ministry. Many of you I know are going to be like, how can I be involved? If you go to our website today, you can see Build the Dream on there, and you can get on the email list. And we'll send you emails on updates on when we're getting in and when we're doing all of these things. And, uh, but it's, it's, it takes faith. This is faith. It's not, it's not even done done yet. But it's, I, I, I've told our staff, I've told our team, it's done. When I'm praying, this is what I say. Lord, thank you for giving us 1900 South Ewing. 1900 South Ewing is ours in the name of Jesus. That's, I, just, I just believe that. I got faith for that because I heard God say it, and I got faith to believe it. People say, man, that sounds kind of crazier. That sounds bigger. What about this or what about that? I don't know. Noah was probably like, maybe I should build a house. And God said, no, build a boat. People thought he was crazy. Maybe God sees something's happening in Oak Cliff that we don't. Maybe he needs us there right now. It was in our plans for down the road, but God needed it now. So I'm not, I don't get to ask God why. I don't get to argue. I get to say yes. And we get to be on this journey together. So we're doing two things. One is we're going to ask you in just a minute to pray about how you can be a part. We're going to actually take an offering in this service. Some of you obviously just heard about it. You need weeks to pray and, and all that, and that's fine. But some of you, you, you're going to know right away, like, I'm going to be a part of this. And we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. The second thing is, and this is really important, this doesn't have to do anything with the Dream Center. But I believe that there's a reason why God gave me this word for this day. And I believe some of you, you've just fallen asleep in your faith. And I believe this with all my heart. That today God's going to wake your faith up. If anything, just to believe bigger for yourself. To believe that God wants to use you. That God's got a plan for you. Knowing that I don't have to just exist. A fellow says, praying between services, that somebody who's in this service, and you've been just questioning actually your existence. Like, why am I here? Not like, what's my purpose? Like, I don't want to be here because I don't have a purpose. And I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me that he's going he's to minister to you right in these next 10 minutes. He's going to speak to you. He's going to show you what to build. You don't need circumstances to change. You need a project. Because once you see that God has something for you to build, it's going to breathe life into your heart again. And I don't know who that's for. I believe it could be for a couple people. God's going to breathe life into your purpose again. If you know anything about our church, is there is zero pressure to give. When I started ministry, I said, God, I don't want to raise money my whole life because that's what you have to do in church ministry to, to exist and keep the lights on and go. I don't want to do that. And he said, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll never have to beg people to give money. Vision always goes before provision, but provision always follows vision. So I'm, I got to just do what God called me to do. This is the crazy thing about God. $1.5 million is a lot to some of you. Some of you, it's not that much at all. Some of you could do that whole thing. We'd be done. And then everyone else would thank you because they don't have to. It, it, all I got to do is what God asked me to do. See, in the church, it's gotten polluted because we're like, come on, guys, we need more. Can someone else do more? No, you got to do what God told you to do. And if you do what God told you to do and I do what God told me to do, then this thing happens. But when we start feeling pressure and obligation, we step out of faith. And, and we step into, like, i got to please, or, man, if I don't do it, someone else will do it. And then you don't get to operate in the, in the genuineness, the authenticity of investing into the kingdom. I'm going to tell you, some of you are going to give in this, and in five years, you're going to be more grateful for this seed than anything else you've done in your life. Because you're going to see, I'm going to tell you this, we don't do things halfway. And you've been a part of our church at all, you know we're not doing this halfway. We are going to partner. It's, the reason we're calling it the Dream Center, just to let you know, 
We're out of time, but I'm gonna give it this to you real fast. The reason we're calling the Dream Center is because if we call it Church 1132, other churches will be threatened by it. Because churches just have this weird thing. So we said, we're gonna call it the Dream Center because we want it to be a unifier. We want church, we want, there's people that have been in Oak Cliff for years laboring. We're not gonna come take over. We're gonna come link arms. Man, we're gonna come stand beside. So we had to give a neutral name so there can be a neutral hub of ministry. And we believe this, that teams from all over the world are gonna come fly into Dallas, Texas. And they're going to serve, and they're going to have Jamie's experience on Skid Row, right on South Ewing. Their heart's going to be changed in a minute. How many have faith for that? People coming from all over. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.